welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, has been waiting patiently for my fucking computer to start working. Uh, and here we go. Hi, Justin. Computers. Yeah, yeah. Technology. Computers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Um, I mean, we've been using... The, I've been using the same computer to record every single podcast episode we've done, I think. Uh, barring maybe like one or two episodes. Um, that I did on my, on my laptop once, I think when I first moved into the new house, but, um, anyways, everything's good technology. It's, it's still our friend. I, I didn't like break the monitor or, you know, those like great early on YouTube videos where it was like some fat guy in his office, just getting pissed at his keyboard and his computer. And he like <laughs> picks the keyboard up and starts to smash his old VGA huge monitor. That was probably like. 17 inches but you know weighed 300 pounds you know what i'm talking about bro do i (laughs) yeah those were uh i remember my dad bought a 19 inch monitor like that it was so it was huge like you had to have two people carry that thing out and you also had to have a good two foot clearance from the wall on your desk because the back was so big oh (laughs) Um, but anyways, we're here to talk about hockey, aren't we? I think, I guess yeah. that's, uh, I guess that's where we're going. So I think we should just, we, we got to start with, I know it's been a week and, and in that week, the Leafs have fired their GM, Kyle Dubas. It has been talked about and, uh, beaten to death before we get here. So now we have the privilege of, uh, just coming at it after the fact, completely after the fact now, um, one week out, I'm going to let you jump in first. I feel like maybe you're a little bit more of the the unbiased observer. And uh, then I'll give you my my thoughts after I hear what you have to say about Kyle Dubas no longer being the general manager of the Maple Leafs. Boy, you know, I part of me so I'm I'm split on the way I feel about Kyle Dubas and his his tenure there, right? I think on on one hand he had star talent um, but it was kind of a double-edged sword, right? He he had this these star players, um, you know, over the last few years. But they were because they were star players. The cap hit was so high on all these guys. He literally had small, I mean, barely any wiggle room to to make moves and and bring in you know other talent to help. How about the the the, the core fours? You you know you want to call them. Um, and so yeah, on one hand, I, I feel bad for the guy because you know again he didn't have the cap room to go out and make you know, big moves and to bring in pieces and, you know, really round out this roster. I think the way, you know, in my mind, I think the way it should be, but at the same time, I don't feel bad for him because he had such star power and he just, he couldn't get it done. Right. And so um, when you look at teams like Tampa, you look at teams like Chicago back in the, you know, 2010s, how they were able to basically draft well, round out their bottom six because they had up and coming youngsters that were just, you know, cheap cap hits. They could go in and, um, you know, provide depth scoring from the bottom six and, you know, get good goaltending, all this, all all this other crap that Dubas, you know, was trying to accomplish. Um, You know, he gave it, I mean, I got to applaud him for his effort. I think he did a pretty bang up job for what you had an on ice product. I mean, look, they were at the top of the division almost every year he was in there. Uh, They were a playoff contender every year. Now, again, he's not a player. He doesn't get to go in there. He doesn't, you know, get to play on the ice and perform. Right. So he, he brings the guys, he brings in the coaches and just ultimately they have to perform. And so, you know, when it comes to crunch time, guys don't perform. 
it's easy to fire the coach. It's easy to fire the GM. Blame it on them because you can't move the players as easily. And so, um, yeah, ultimately he was a casualty of a team that finally got past, you know, into the second round. And, uh, you know, obviously there's some changes that need to, I think, need to happen for this team to, to get to the next level. And, you know, Shanahan, I guess, I don't know if he's trying to save his job by letting Dubas go. But, um, you know, I, in my opinion, I guess the one thing you got to look at is what's the plan B? You know, what is the next step? Are they going to find, I mean, can they find somebody better than Dubas to come in and, and shake this roster up? Because if you want to just a straight shake up, if you're Shanahan, you could literally come in and say, you know what? Hey, we need to trade a big name guy. We need to trade one of the core four. We need to shake things up a little bit. That's what I want. But, you know, hey, it is what it is, and it's it's easier to fire a guy and save your job, I guess, if you're Shanny. So. Yeah, I, I'll say I think that when it comes to Dubis, you know, that Monday press conference was just so weird. Him coming out <laughs> yeah. and kind of saying, like, yeah, I'm not sure if I want to, like, I'm not sure I have to talk to my family. Like, it was very, like, doom and gloom, and it, it was just very odd. Uh, and, I mean, I think if I saw that, too, and I'm Shanahan, I'd be like, ugh, I don't, I don't, like, it's totally fine to feel the way that he does, but he shouldn't have said that. He, he just shouldn't have said that. He, he didn't need to talk about that at all. He didn't, like, here you are trying to say that your family is the reason that you're, you're debating whether or not to do this. And it's been so hard on your family to deal with being the GM. And yet you're telling everybody your family's business. <laughs> no, like, I'll give you that because so, so here's the thing about that. I mean, if you, you save that kind of shit for when you get fired and you can come out and say, well, you know what? Ultimately, you know, we decided to part ways because my family and I just, you know, it's, it's been hard on my family. So we just want to fresh right. start somewhere else right. or whatever. You don't say that before you get canned. I mean, that's just, <laughs> you yeah. just don't. Uh, publicly. Like, it, it would be fine to go to, you know, if you went to Shanahan solo, one-on-one, and you said that. Okay, fine. And then you can, like, hey, I just need a few days to clear my head. I, right. Don't, you, you just, I, I don't know. It just it just wasn't, you know what it, you know it sort of was? It's that mistake of trusting your employer more than you should. Like your employer, like you work for them. They want to know what, what do they care about? They want to know that you can do the job. And when you go to your employer and you're too honest, sometimes, especially when there's tension already, that might be the green light for your employer to go, eh, we can find someone else who wants to do this kind of thing. Like I, I, I'm just always of the mindset that, like your employer will drop you at any point. There's no reason to give your employer more than they need to know. And like in this case, that they didn't need to know that. There was it was Dubis's family business, and I, I think he mistakenly was just too honest. Like it's the true. It's the statement of like truly he was too. He was honest to a fault in that in that moment. And I mean, from a reporting, from like a podcast standpoint, it's really cool that he shared all that. And then Shanahan is like, all right, let me take you through my diary and tell you all at exactly at uh, 108. I received an email from Kyle and at 357, that's when I had a dream that uh, we were going to fire him and the Leafs would win the cup. Like it, it was, it was all weird. It all kind of felt a little petty 
on his part. That was the thing that I, I really didn't like from Shanahan was the like, why are you sharing all these little details about this? Like, just say, you know, after we, after that, that press conference, it, it made me doubt what was going on. And I just ultimately decided that I needed to have somebody that wasn't going to waver. And this is going to be a five-year commitment. Like, this isn't like, hey, you want to come back for a year? It's five years. So it's fair. If somebody's having doubts, like, and you're not you're not into that, you know, like he said, hey, we all have families. This is hard on all our families. And, and I would say that that is likely true. Like, it's not necessarily fair to go, well, it's so hard on my family. Well, yeah, it's probably hard on almost anyone's family who has any public face of the Maple Leafs. That just is what it is. It's why people don't want to go there. <laughs> and it's why some sociopaths want to play there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's it's a tough market to play in. And those kind of comments, I mean, I, I, I get it. You know, it, it it's probably very taxing being the GM of Toronto, especially when you have that kind of talent. And the expectations are so high for that team, right? Uh, that emotionally, it's it's got to be draining. I mean, I, I always think of it, and I I don't know if maybe this is the right comparison, but like I look at pitchers when when you look at those pictures of presidents before they got the office and after how much they've aged, right? Uh, and like how much how taxing it is emotionally and physically. I imagine the same thing. Like you could probably go back and look at a picture of Dubis, you know, five years ago, and look at him now, and you could be like, man, that guy's aged a good ten years in the last three years. I mean. You know, in that kind of market, it's it's got to be tough for sure. So, um, you, I mean, you got to give him a little bit of cred for for being there as long as he did. But at the same time, it's like you got to keep that shit bottled up. You can't come out and yep, and, yep. and talk about that. That's why you get a therapist. Um, and now he, you know, it looks like he's the front runner for Pittsburgh's job. And uh, we'll see if he, you know, if he stands true to what he said about oh, you know, it's uh, I'm not going anywhere else. It's Toronto or bust. Um, I. I, I just lean on like that whole press conference was kind of maybe more or less a negotiation tactic. And like, maybe he didn't do it on purpose, but it, it sort of maybe subconsciously was a, some kind of like, Oh, I'm not going to go anywhere. And didn't want them, wanted them like to kind of force their hand to make him make it so that he couldn't go anywhere. And I don't know. It just felt, it felt weird. It just felt uh, kind of manipulative. Yeah, to me, it, it feels like he's basically sending a message out that it says, hey, if I'm not in Toronto, I'm not going to go to Columbus. I'm not going to go to Arizona. Right, I'm not going to go to these that. teams yeah. that are rebuilding, right? right. I'm going to go to a team that's winning now. Like, that's that's where I need to be. Well, he said it's either going to be Toronto or I'm going to go home for the year. So, yeah, um, well, we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. And and then he'll probably go, he'll say, well, I mean, that was before I, you know, I changed my mind. And, I talked to ownership and they really convinced me and yeah, uh, yeah. sold me on this, this plan of theirs. And right, right. I didn't realize, I didn't ever think they would fire me. So how, how was I thinking? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, the Leafs GM search is on. We know, you know, potentially there's, there's going to be a million names. I don't, I don't even think it's worth dropping names at this point. I know like Brad tree living has been put out there. He's kind of the like one that is very glaring. Mark Bergevin's out there, but I, I think there's going to be so many people coming out of the woodwork for this job. I mean, this is one of the premier jobs in all of hockey general manager of the Maple Leafs. So uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to again, see what sociopath wants the job. 
Um, but the Calgary Flames hired a general manager. It is Craig Conroy, former Calgary Flame. Uh, I, mean, I think he played for Calgary twice. I think he played for Calgary. He left, signed with L.A., and then was traded back because everyone was just like, bro, you need to just go home back. Go back to Calgary. And uh, now he's the GM of the Flames. I guess the, the best place to start, because I, I'm i not super familiar with him from a I, you know, from like a management standpoint, but I want to talk about like, what do you think his first moves are going to be? You know, how is he going to shake this team up? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you've, you've got to look at the the lineup that he's got to work with. Right. And I think, gosh, what did he come out and say his press conference? Like, we're not going to have another, you know, Johnny Goudreau happen. And the minute he said that, I instantly thought of, uh, you know, a couple of players, Elias Lindholm and, and Michael Backlund. Right. So those are two guys that I think are, our core leaders of this team now, again, Backlund, not from an offensive production uh, standpoint, but again, from a leadership standpoint, right? Um, you know, is, is super important in that locker room. I know there's a lot of guys in there that respect him. I mean, hell, he even came out and said that they were going to name a captain for next season for sure. And already everybody's just like, you know, Michael Backlund's the guy, right? That's that's who it's probably going to be. But again, you got to sign these guys, right? And, and you would hate it if you're losing Elias Limholm at 28 years old. He's a UFA this offseason, so you would hate if you lose this guy for essentially nothing next off season. Um, I mean, so I think again, that's I, what he's saying. He's saying like either we're going to be trading him or he's going to sign a long-term deal. Well, I think by saying we're not going to have another Goudreau yeah, situation. Right. Yeah. I, I would lean towards that. Absolutely. So to me, I think it's probably going to be, you know, uh, they're going to sign him because you know, what are you going to get in return? That's of equal value. Probably nothing. No. Um, you know, and you don't have another center coming up. So, well, and you're not looking to rebuild if you're the flames. Like you've got a 29 year old Huberto be about to be paid 10 million bucks a year for the next seven, eight years, right? Eight years. Yeah. So, yeah, and then Kadri 32 making 7 million. Uh, this is a team that needs to win today. Like they can't afford to miss the playoffs. They, they just have, they're, they're in win now mode. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and the other thing is, is like, obviously they got to go find the coach. Right. So I think when you talk about shakeup, that's where it's going to start for me. Uh, bring in a coach because you want to find somebody who can unlock Huberto's potential. Um, you know, you saw how, you know, how underperforming he was this season. And same with Kadri. Kadri was okay, but I expected more out of him. And I think you got to find a way to unlock these two guys and, and get the most out of them right now. I mean, you know, I'm not saying go out and get a, a, a Tortorella type coach who's very disciplined, but maybe go get a Gerard Gallant, somebody who is familiar with Huberto and, and Mackenzie Weger, you know, it, from his time in Florida. And he's definitely a player-friendly coach, a guy who I think, you know, is quite the opposite of of a suitor. Yep, yeah, he's the he's the one that 100% comes to my mind. That like, you know, I I don't know what the Flames are thinking, but it makes a lot of sense. And right. he and he, I mean, Florida won the President's Trophy and had a big turnaround season the year that he was their their coach. I know he was. You know what? Twelve games in, he wasn't the coach, or uh, he he became the coach. Um, he goes to New Jersey, and New Jersey has a big turnaround, and they they make the playoffs. Like, I mean, this guy is he everything he's touching right now is kind of turning to to magic. So, uh, I I think it behooves the Flames to go out and go after this guy if he's willing to go to Calgary. To me, he's the number one target. You have to get Huberto going, and he knows him pretty darn well. Right. And then from a, you know, a player standpoint, if you're trying to shake up this roster, first thing you got to do from a GM 
uh, for for Conroy here is is make some cap space, right? They they don't have much for next season. They've only got projected 1.25 million dollars right now, uh, assuming that the cap only goes up a million bucks. So, are you, you know, looking you, to trade Markstrom? I'm not going to trade Markstrom yet because I still think you've got a lot of potential there. I mean, you've got a guy who you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I think you know Dustin Wolf probably I think is ready to come into the NHL. Is he ready to be a starter? No, maybe not. I mean, he's 22 years old, so I don't want to rush him, uh, especially because you know, again, Markstrom's been, he was great in Vancouver, great in Calgary when he first got in there. So he had a bad year last year, but you know, so did a lot of the other players in Calgary too, compared to the last couple that's, seasons. That's so, a good point. He did have a bad year, but my my worry is that he had a bad year on a on a team that was very focused defensively. <laughs> sure. Yeah. What's going to happen when you bring in somebody who who opens it up a little bit and you need to make some big saves? Maybe honestly, maybe he plays better in that environment. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah, he might be. But to me, I'm looking at guys like Christopher Tanev, um, you know, Nikita Zadorov, those defensemen who maybe aren't going to get you know again. You know, Mackenzie Weger, Noah Hannafin are going to be your guys. Rasmus Anderson, those are your top three in my opinion. And Tanev's right there at number four. Uh, maybe number three, but you know, again, teams are going to line up for a guy like Christopher Tanev, so that's an easy way to clear four and a half million bucks. And it's true, you know, maybe looking at, I don't know, maybe Majapani too. I know he had a good season uh, in retrospect, so maybe you can offload his cap hit. But um, that's the one thing I think they need to do more than anything besides find a coach is is make a little cap space. Okay, uh, yeah, I I do wonder. Uh, when it comes to the flames, like obviously you can't you can't tear this down, but maybe you go well. Maybe we take a slight step backwards next year in order to take a bigger step forward the following year. That that could like you've got that one kind of a one year grace period if you're Craig Conroy to maybe be able to get rid of some some uh, more anchoring contracts. Like how would we feel if? Blake Coleman was dealt and I mean you know I obviously he needs to go he brings something to the table it's not as if he's just god awful or he he wasn't a bad player but 38 points for 5 million bucks is just it's slightly below where where you want him to be Uh, I I think you can probably find a team who's willing to to play ball Uh, I know he's got four years left on that deal that that, that's, that's the, the t- problem that's for me. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Maybe tough. if you can eat a million bucks of that, I think you could probably find a team that would be willing to take him on yeah. at three point nine. Yeah. But do you want to eat a million bucks? Yeah. Do you want to eat a million bucks, or do you just want to have Blake Coleman and and hope he has kind of maybe a bounce back year? Uh, the other side of it is you just got to get in the playoffs, and then Blake Coleman's a pretty useful guy. Right, absolutely. Oh, that's, that's there too. Yeah, uh, and it'll be, you know, do they bring back like a Lucic, Trevor Lewis? I, I would think that those guys are going to be gone. Although Lucic seemed to find a home a little bit, but maybe that was just on the Daryl Sutter team and that like with a faster team. You know, this team does need to get faster, and, and he's probably not on that list of guys <laughs> to help you get faster. Right. Oh. Uh, okay, let's see. Where do we want to go next? Uh, should we talk about these series going on right now and then jump back into to news at the end? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, which series do you want to start with? Well, let's start with the, the one going on tonight right now, the Florida Panthers and Hurricane. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're recording this at 922. We're, we're being awful, 
awful people recording an NHL podcast during a game. Uh, right now it's 2-2 in the middle of the second period. So uh, it's it's been a good one so far. But uh, shoot, Carolina's got to win. I guess we'll know very shortly who uh, if Carolina is going to keep on playing. But my goodness, you know, I'm up by one, one point in our pool and we both picked complete opposite teams. I have the Hurricanes and the Stars, and Justin has the Golden Knights and the Panthers. And uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to take this one. <laughs> I think you've got it pretty locked up. Yeah, I don't think, though, I'm going to win with the, the amount of games here. I don't think Carolina's going to stretch this to seven or Dallas to six. No, probably um, not. Probably not, but uh, at least if I get both the – the correct teams at least i'll be up a point then at this point yeah then it's uh, then i basically have to just pick the opposite of you in the finals yeah you're forcing your hand (laughs) it's about my only hope uh well i'll tell you now i'm gonna pick vegas because uh i mean let's face it at the beginning of the uh of the playoffs i picked vegas and the rangers to go clearly the rangers let me down they were my stanley cup pick but uh i still got vegas i guess yeah i uh i'm i'm at least you know, the Panthers, this is what I was thinking about this. You know what? Last year, I picked against the Lightning every single round until the Stanley Cup Finals. Then I was like, I got to stop picking against them. And then they lost. So <laughs> I'm like, hmm, if I pick the Panthers, then they'll lose. If I don't, then they'll probably go ahead and win. <laughs> so, huh. so uh, yeah, those teams. You might from, be onto something. Those teams from Florida get me good. Um, what are your thoughts on this uh, on Jamie Ben's suspension and what happened last night? Uh, the cross. Yeah, it was just plain stupid. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. I mean, you're down, you know, you're down in the series two games to none. Um, you know, I mean, Mark Stone has been shutting down your your top guys this whole entire series. I mean, this whole Vegas team has played very very well defensively. I know that Dallas has outshot them a lot of nights, especially last night's game. Um, but Vegas, what they've done very well is taking away those high danger chances and those second and third chances that teams usually capitalize on. Um, you know, Aiden Hill has stepped in and he's, he's looked very good. Uh, so no, you know, I'm not trying to shortchange him at all, but I think as a whole, this team has done a very good job. And so you could see why guys like Jamie Ben are a little frustrated. And so when you're frustrated, when you're just not producing offensively, the, the first thing teams usually do, especially in the playoffs is they try to you know, get a little bit more physical and, you know, introduce that sandpaper into the series and hopefully try to change the fortunes of your team just a little bit by, by winning those little battles there. And, uh, you know, obviously Mark Stone has been a thorn in, you know, in the Dallas Stars sides, sides, this whole entire series, you know, you're down one to nothing already in this game. So you're already, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, they're probably pissed and you know, yeah, they're you're just having so much trouble scoring. Right. And so, you know, of course you're like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take a shot at this guy we know he's got a bad back. You know, I'm just going to find any way I can to maybe just take a shot at him and maybe take, you know, one of their top players out of the series. And of course he goes down. And then what does Jamie Ben do? Just go right after the face. I mean, I'm sure maybe he didn't intentionally mean to go after the face. It just happened, but it's just a stupid play. The, you the initial, the, the initial hit though, like Jamie Ben's coming up to his own blue line and he goes, dump the puck out. And the initial hit, I mean, stone was kind of playing on him and I, I didn't really have a problem with what he did initially No, to knock over Stone. It was just like, dude, you would have been better off dropping your stick and punching him once in the face. You probably would have gotten a roughing <laughs> right. penalty, and that would be that. 
but because you held the twig in your hand, um, yeah, you're you're probably done for the year uh, unless your team can, I mean, really pull off something. Like Dallas just, you know, there's some series where I would say the Leafs series against the Panthers, they were down 3 nothing. But I don't think anyone would have been super surprised if the Leafs came and like won a few games in that series. I know they only won the one. Uh, But the Leafs were never out of any of those games. You know, they lost a couple in overtime and like they were all close games. So I don't think it would have surprised if it, but in this one, it's like, I'm going to be shocked if Dallas wins more than one game in this series because they just do not look capable against the the Knights and it it kind of is the that slow start that we've seen in every series for the Stars so far but the difference is that the Stars have been able to take at least one of those three first three games and this time around they have not and I think I mean three nothing is I, I know teams have come back before but I mean it's like saying well I mean someone scored three goals in 28 seconds one time it's like it's not gonna happen. It just it happened once, and it's it's fluky. You know, it's it's very it it would take so many lucky op, lucky things happening to even come back and tie that series at three. Um, I just don't see it happening at this stage of the of the game. No, and and you know, at the end of the towards that end of that second period, there you saw with Max Domi, right? I mean, they had to end the period a little early. Um, it, yeah. It's clear that that Vegas is in the Dallas Stars players heads right i mean hey he gets up he basically laughing throwing him a thumbs up which it was the greatest thing ever um and so i mean it's just it's clear that you know dallas is frustrated and they just they they're looking for answers and they don't have any right now and so i mean again i don't don't put any of this on on coaching at all for dallas i think it's just you know sometimes you know you're just out manned outplayed and Outcoached, and you know Vegas is just doing a, a much better job of shutting down Dallas at this point. Do we think maybe Ottinger's hurt? Um, it wouldn't shock me, right? He he definitely doesn't look like his his former self, his regular season self. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Wedgwood start Game Four uh, to come in because again, you just you need something, you need a change of something, right? And Wedgwood, you know, looked good when he came in. Though I mean, granted, Vegas wasn't trying to take it to him at any point, but. Um, you know, just you got to do something to to create a spark here, and and changing a goaltender is the easy way to do it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, at this at this point, you don't have anything to lose, right? Um, which, uh, by the way, neither do the Carolina Hurricanes because they're now losing. Uh, <laughs> we're allowed to say this because we're not watching it. You're not listening to this live. It, you know, if we if people were listening to us live, we wouldn't be allowed to tell talk about the score of the game. It's really weird. Uh, not that anybody would really care. <laughs> um, okay, let's. Uh, l- yeah, well, let's jump back over to that series, uh, the the Panthers and the the Hurricanes. Obviously, you know, you know the results of Game Four, uh, where whereas we don't right now while we're recording this. But regardless of the outcome of that series, what have we learned in this series? Uh, I've learned that Bobrovsky is worth every bit of ten million dollars right now. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Would you? Here's here's an interesting thought. Would you Would you be willing to pay a goalie ten million dollars for eight years, seven years, if you knew that in one of those seven years he would take you to the Stanley Cup Finals, like single handedly, practically? Well, if you won the Stanley Cup, yes. Go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and eh, probably not. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. 
but so but we'll find out because, i guess if that's uh if that happens yeah yeah i mean i look at the los angeles rams right when they won their super bowl championship a couple of years ago right it's because they 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 gave up everything right they they bet the farm to win it all and they they ended up winning it right and so you know again if you had to dump all your draft picks if you had to dump all your cap hit on one single guy and he took you to the finals and you ended up winning absolutely it's worth every yeah. single bit of that yeah. but um that's that's what we'll have to wait and see, right? Does Florida bring home that ultimate prize? Now, do you think that for Bobrovsky that this is like are are we just seeing kind of a a a really great goalie, a goalie who's had a tremendous career and is probably just having the greatest twenty game stretch of his career, or maybe not even of his career, but uh you know, maybe of the last what 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 year did he win the Vesna? He won the Vesna in like 2014. I think it was 2014, right? When he won the Vesna? Uh, you might be right. Uh, I I guess in 2016-17 he had a 9.31 save percentage. Uh, so you know he had a, he had a that's really the last time he was utterly dominant. Uh, yeah, the next year 9.21. Uh, but the the year that he left Columbus, he had a, he had a good year. Like that's the one year where he won a playoff series, and then the first year with Florida was terrible. The second year was palpable, uh, and then you know last year was was decent. I, like he's just been so up and down. Uh, I I mean it's just hard to pin on. It seemed like he was kind of done, at least being an elite goalie. Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? I, we we all thought his days of being an elite goaltender were behind him. Um, yeah. Now again, we're we're seeing shades of that eliteness coming back, right? What what made him so great? Um, because at 34, really, for a goaltender, um, you know, unless you're one of the greats, you're pretty much on your way out. Um, you unless know, you're, you're Tim you're, Thomas, right? Yeah, you're Tim <laughs> Thomas or Mark Andre Fleury, right? I think pretty much. You know, once you hit that that mid to late thirties, there you're you know relegated to backup status. But um, yeah, I mean we're we're seeing what made him that two time Vesna winner basically right now is what it is. Um, you know, he's taking over games, he's shutting teams down. He's he looks so solid in the net. Oh, just positionally, the he, he's just unbelievable right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I look at the way he anticipates plays so well too. It's just. It's it's mind boggling. Like that, I don't know if you remember that blocker save. He moved left to right and literally threw his stick to the corner of the ice. That he, he shut oh, down yeah. Sebastian Ajo. Yep. yep. Um, that was just pure anticipation uh, and knowing what was coming. And just that that hockey IQ just came through so so well on that play. Where I think most other goaltenders, you know, wouldn't have been able to to read that so well. And um, you know, again, it's just those little plays, those little things that he's doing so well right now, and that he's doing them basically when we thought he was behind as far as, you know, being that elite goaltender, it's just uh, what's really, you know, between him and Kachuk, I think it's, it's taken this Florida team. I mean, all the way here so far. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he's, he's found a way he has certainly found a way and it's, uh, it's been pretty exciting to watch. I mean, I, they beat my team, so I wasn't happy about that, but uh, he's just, he's been so good. I mean, you know, when your team gets 17 shots on goal and you win one nothing, you, your immediate thought is, okay, what did the goalie do? Right. <laughs> you know, and he was he was spectacular. Um, well, it sure seems like it's going to be a, a Panthers-Golden Knights final, uh, which will be a very interesting. We'll, we'll break all that down 
um, in the end, you know, we'll, we'll break it down once it once it actually happens. But uh, let's assume the hurricanes and the stars are out of it. Any big changes that you would make for those teams, or are those teams just kind of in their natural progression? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I think again, the one big thing for Carolina that we're we're seeing they're they're missing. They need that elite goal scorer, right? I mean, obviously, Pacioretty was supposed to be that, and having you know not having Sveshnikov is clearly hurting them because, especially when you get a little bit more physical, when you have that that grind out kind of hockey, right? A power forward like Sveshnikov comes in handy so well. Um, so, you know, for me, I think they're gonna obviously try to get healthy. I don't think Carolina is gonna do too much in the off season. Um, you know, you just have to get a goaltender signed. But for me, if you can find a way to get some cap space to maybe bring in, uh, you know, a second line goal scorer, a guy who can, you know, provide you with a little scoring, maybe like for, for example, like a Tyler Toffoli, who's a guy around, you know, four, four and a half million dollars, but can chip in and, and produce, you know, when needed to, right. Just, uh, you know, can give you those big time goals when you, you know, when the rest of your team's struggling, that's what I think, you know, Carolina is really missing. Now, as far as, you know, the Dallas Stars are concerned. I I don't really think that they're going to do a whole lot. I mean, obviously, you've got Pavelski signed for another year. Um, you know, you've got your your core guys of, you know, Robertson, Rupe Hintz re-signed. Um, so, obviously, I think they're just going to try to find some, you know, I guess, value pieces for, for their third and fourth line and hope that guys like Ty DeLandria, um, you know, their younger players, Wyatt Johnston, just take the next step and – you know, continue to evolve into better players to eventually take over. And then, you know, again, you can maybe take this team to the next level. And assuming that, you know, again, Ottinger plays like his normal self, sure. and, you know, not this poor type of play. I, I think, I think he's got to be hurt. Um, that would be my guess, but uh, probably, yeah, I think that between the two teams, Dallas is definitely the team that is on, they're on the rise. Like they're just kind of finding their, their groove. I hope they resign Max Domi. It looks like he's found a home there. And and I I think you're right. Like their young players are only going to get better. I think Jason Robertson is going to continue to grow. Uh, and same with Rupe Hints. Like this team has a higher ceiling than what uh, we're even seeing now. Carolina, I look up and down their roster. I mean, they're still young, right? Like Aho's only 25. It's hard to believe Aho's only 25. I feel like he's been in the league for like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Slavin still he's 29. You know Brent Burns. He's he's getting there, but maybe he's the ageless wonder that we you know he's he's the next like super old guy that's gonna just keep on being really good. Uh, but what are they gonna do in go and in, in goal? You know, is uh, who do they bring back between Ranta and Anderson uh, to you know play one A one B with Kochetkov? I wonder. A- answer me, okay? You're Max Pacioretty. Do you feel like you sort of owe it to the Hurricanes to sign a? sign a new deal there i don't know necessarily if you owe it to the hurricanes but for me i would owe it to myself to see what i could have done right that's because that's what i'm brought, saying like yeah you you were there you played five games like they did they they traded for you they believed in you you know that like i think everything was there i think he would have fit their system really well and that like they were willing to obviously give him a an opportunity and i i just i wonder if he'll he'll come back on maybe a one or a two year deal, not not at a seven million dollar cap hit, but uh, if no, Carolina I think one can and a half, get... two million bucks for a guy like that, Ooh, one and a half million. 
Yeah, because I, I mean, I think Petretti's going to get out there and find the market's very bare for a guy like him who has such a terrible injury history. Yeah, um, that it's going to scare teams off long-term deals. And so, for me, if you want to, you know, maybe two, two and a half million dollars tops is what I would give give a guy like him on a one-year deal. Go out, stay healthy, prove you still got it, and then then you can sign him to a two, maybe three-year deal after that. Yeah, I mean, he's thirty-four. Yeah, once after this year, once you sign him, yeah, then you're. You don't want to probably sign him for more than a one-year deal because you don't want to be stuck with that that contract afterwards um, if he retires because of an injury. Like, um, I could see though, you know, maybe a team a team like the Blues, the Avalanche, like maybe throwing a little bit of money. The Avalanche are going to have some some money because of uh, because of Landis Cog still being on LTIR. Like they're they're gonna have some money to work with, and I wonder if if he might be a fit there. You know, just somebody who you just go, you just need to come here and score. Like you don't need to be the guy at all. You don't even need to be the top scorer or anything. We just need you to to chip in offensively. I, I think he could maybe do that in like a that low pressure kind of way. Maybe that Carolina system is uh, more intimidating than what Pacioretty wants to get into. I I could also see that like. I'm sure Rod Brindamore, well, he's bringing, you know, making, giving guys new leases on their career, essentially, and like turning uh, what I would say someone like Aho, who would be probably a really good second line center, he's turned Aho into a, a, a superstar in his system. He's an absolute superstar in his system. Uh, I, I think sh- like making him better than what he would have been had he just maybe been with another ha- head coach. But uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see what, what Carolina does long-term there with Pacioretty. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, if, if it was me, because you do have – the Carolina Hurricanes are going to have $24 bucks, and I know you got to go get another goaltender. Uh, you've got to sign a couple depth pieces here and there and re-sign a couple guys. But I would honestly go after a guy like Alex Dabrinkit and see if you can't convince him to come in there and you sign him long term, uh, you know, to maybe eight million bucks, whatever, you know. But you, because I don't think he's signing in Ottawa, so maybe you bring out bring in a guy who maybe had a little bit of a down year. You could take advantage of that and and you know send a little less to to Ottawa to, to oh, bring him over. A, and then he's an RFA, right? But what I'm saying is, you make that trade with oh, with Ottawa, trade, right? Okay. So you, yeah. yeah, so you bring him in, and then you can get him signed to that deal, and then you get a guy who's a former forty goal scorer who maybe comes in. And finds you know his old scoring touch there in Carolina. So yeah, tack back on uh, a healthy Shvetsnikov too, and and you're in a pretty yeah. good place. Uh, okay, well, I think uh, I think I want to go watch the hockey game that's actually on. Yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you because I I kind of do too. And and, uh, and we'll uh, we'll reconvene and we'll continue. I mean, the off season. I feel like the off season is where we shine anyway. So that's where we uh, we have our fun <laughs> breaking down everything. Anyways. Uh, we are going to continue breaking down the playoffs, though, after, uh, you know, round round three ends, which, I mean, round three could end tomorrow. <laughs> That's what's so crazy. Uh, it could all be over really quick. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll do our uh, our breakdown of, of all the games there, and then we'll do our Stanley Cup final preview on the next show. Uh, Justin's going away to Hotlanta, so enjoy yourself down there. Say hi to the Atlanta Thrashers. Oh yeah, I think that's where the Coyotes are going. Oh man, maybe yeah. Back that's, to Atlanta. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, okay. But you know, it'd be funny though if they do go to Atlanta, right? So you look at it this way, right? So the old Winnipeg 
who moved to the Winnipeg franchise that moved to Arizona. Oh my gosh, you're right. The Atlanta I know where you're franchise going, yeah. moved to Winnipeg, and now Atlanta's moving or Arizona's moving back to Shoot. Atlanta. So it's full circle. Shoot, yeah, that would be funny. Um, maybe they could just swap. They just go, there hey, go. actually, can we just like get our team back, and then we'll just. Yeah. I'm sure Atlanta would love to have Blake Wheeler back. And the uh, rest of the I mean, there. the best part is that uh, wait is uh, is Andrew Ladd still under contract with with Arizona? You know, I he actually might be. You is might be right. Is he? Uh, maybe he's not. Maybe he was. Uh, is he? But he was favorite? playing in Arizona this year, so. I mean, yeah. Where did he? Maybe go? Dustin Bufflin comes back, plays another year in Atlanta, and uh, <laughs> get the old gang back. Yes, there you go. He's willing to only come back to Atlanta. Boy, what a <laughs> what a trip. Uh, yeah, he he was he was there. He's a UFA this year. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was gonna say. I mean, that would mean Andrew Ladd would get to go back to Atlanta, which I think that's where he where he was, right? He yeah, was he was. Two thousand ten, eleven for. For one season, remember he, the the Blackhawks won the cup, and then he was traded to Atlanta because they had, they had no, the dump salary. They had no money. Yep that that was when they <laughs> sent him and Bufflin to Atlanta, and yes. then the next year they became the Winnipeg Jets. And the oh, rest is so history. good. The rest is history. All right. Well, that's our show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Justin, enjoy game number four to our listeners. Uh, enjoy what's left of the playoffs or of of this of this round. There's there's plenty of playoffs left. Don't worry. Uh, still a Stanley Cup final to go, but enjoy the rest of that. Let us know what you think on Twitter, and we will talk to you guys soon. See ya.